Welcome to the Who's on the Move podcast. I am your host, Alan Cooper. Today we are going to be speaking with entrepreneur John Warren about his new company called Gem Mining that he recently co-launched in Greenville, South Carolina with five other founding partners. We are going to be exploring the opportunity that John sees with this new blockchain and cryptocurrency company. We will also talk about another company that he founded, scaled and sold called Lima One Capital, as well as John's run for the governor's office of South Carolina. To see a shorter version of this interview, please go to upstatebizsc.com and look in the podcast section. The Who's on the Move SC podcast highlighting entrepreneurs making an impact on our communities is made possible with the support of five incredible sponsors. First Community Bank, NP Strategy, Nephron Pharmaceuticals, Endeavor, and the Riley Institute at Furman University. First Community Bank knows local businesses, professionals, and entrepreneurs form the backbone of our communities, and for more than 25 years, they have served those customers in the Midlands, Upstate, and Aiken regions of South Carolina, as well as in Augusta, Georgia. First Community Bank member FDIC. NP Strategy is a strategic communications firm comprised of former journalists, political insiders, and, and public relations executives. Learn more at npstrategy.com. And Nephron Pharmaceuticals, a South Carolina-based company that develops and produces safe, affordable, generic inhalation solutions and suspension products. John, can you give us a brief introduction? I'm John Warren. I'm CEO of Jim Mining. I'm a Greenville native. I'm an infantry Marine. And um, I started a company originally in Greenville called Lima One Capital. We did lending to real estate investors, uh, built that up with an amazing team, sold that in August of 2019, and then started Jim Mining, which is a Bitcoin mining company of all things here in Greenville. Started that uh, last January. Tell us about your journey to entrepreneurship. I think when you look at entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs kind of see the world maybe a little bit differently than some other people. They see complex problems and they just come up with simple solutions on how to solve those problems and kind of build teams around it. And I've always thought outside of the box a little and just been adventurous, uh, been willing to risk. So, you know, after I graduated college, I was waiting to get into the Marine Corps. I flipped several houses in real estate as an investor trying to make money on the side, I saw an opportunity. I came out of the Marine Corps and very few companies wanted to hire me. They said I had no skill sets. Um, they said I really couldn't offer anything practical to their, to their companies. So uh, in addition to the chip on my shoulder that they gave me, uh, you know, it was a motivating thing to really, I'd just been married, to really find a way to create liquidity and make money for my family. And I just kind of went back to what I knew, which was real estate and looked for opportunities in the housing market. And this was the height of the financial crisis, uh, 20,000. I'd moved back to Atlanta for a year and it was 20,000 foreclosures a month. Lehman had gone bankrupt. You know, everything was just crumbling. People were worried about credit market freeze. And in that environment, I saw an opportunity to provide lending to real estate investors and really built a company around it and did it with the Marine Corps values and hired people I trusted who shared those values, who I could tell their core competencies. 
and teach them the specific job industry. So that that was kind of my journey. And it's been a great ride being an entrepreneur is huge highs, huge lows, sometimes within hours of the same day. So uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Before we get into talking about Lima One Capital, talk about your run for governor of South Carolina. You know, in running for governor, it wasn't something that we had planned to do. It was frankly, I just became really frustrated of where our state is and continues to be. I, I'm a patriot. I love my country and I also love my state. I was born on North Main Street here in Greenville. And I'm tired of having the ha highest taxes in all of the Southeast. I'm tired of having taxes that are higher than Massachusetts. I'm tired of being 50th in education. And, you know, it just gets to a point where the business environment that we create in this state is detrimental to creating jobs and great careers for our South Carolinians. And I said during the campaign, and now, you know, I, I really believe it, we, we live in the most amazing state and we're so blessed from a geographic standpoint, just to start out with, you know, it's one of the few states where you have amazing beaches, amazing mountains, and the people in South Carolina, they're honest and they're hardworking. And our state legislature, that is not reflected there. Most of the people in the state legislature are not successful. They have not, they don't know anything about business. And they're down there making laws that are detrimental to the rest of us. And I really just got fed up and tired of it. And rather than complaining about it, I wrote a big check and got into the race late and, um, you know, gave it, gave it my best and probably had it until Trump came down and endorsed the other guy. But uh, politics is a zero sum game. So, John, tell us the spark for Lima One Capital. It was an amazing journey. I started it with no money. You know, it's funny, oftentimes entrepreneurs get this great reputation of being uh, huge risk takers. And I tell people, when you have no money and very few job opportunities, you're not taking much of a risk. It's just kind of you're doing a necessity at this point. So I started Lima One, and what I did was I really spent half of my time networking and half of my time really trying to fundraise. And initially I thought I was gonna, I thought I was gonna do a fund geared towards buying rental homes, maybe renting them out. Uh, I would say, you know, riding the appreciation wave. But ultimately when I tried to put that money to work, cause I'd raised a million dollars from one person and he liked the Marine background and he thought it was almost impossible in that state to lose money in real estate. So he said, hey, if you can offer me an 8% preferred return, you know, I'll take that 8% and then you can take the profit on top of that. So I saw a huge opportunity to provide loans to real estate investors. So I took that million dollars. And as an entrepreneur, so much of what you're trying to build is reputation in a marketing machine to give yourself credibility when you actually don't have it. So, you know, an example of that is, Instead of, I did nine loans with that million dollars. And what I did, I called it a seed fund because that sounds a lot better than I only have a million dollars. So I marketed it with, hey, we did this original uh, nine loan seed fund of a million dollars. All the loans paid off. I mean, I think one lesson I learned was 
whatever you do, whether it's a service or a product, if you do it really, really well, that's the bedrock and the foundation of the company. So we always originated great loans at Lima One. So that was never in question. So I took the million dollars, did the nine loans, had more of a track record. Then I went off to high institution or uh, high net worth individuals and tried to raise anywhere from 100 to 500,000. Uh, did that, I offered them debt, you know, paid monthly. From there, I got a very small hedge fund. And then I just got to a point where I had so many opportunities to lend and my product was capital and I just didn't have enough of it. So at that point, I really sold pretty much half of the company to bring in $6 million of equity. And that investor kept investing and investing. So at one point he had probably $25 million outstanding of his own money. Then we started, um, we got a bank line of credit that took us up another 25 million. So then you're loaning 50 million. You know, at that time we were just in Atlanta, but you're a serious player at that point. And then uh, in 2015, that was our big break. We, uh, we went to, if you've seen the movie, The Big Short, there's a real estate finance conference out in Vegas, and that still exists. And it's 5,000 of the world's top finance people go to this thing. And we had scraped together money. It was a big investment for us to go to Vegas. We fly out there, we go to the first session, and almost no one's there. And I asked the guy next to me, and I said, hey, where is everybody? There's supposed to be 5,000 people here. And he said, uh, oh, nobody goes to the, the panels. Everyone's out here for meetings. So at that point, my CFO and I, we went upstairs. We probably spent $900, which was a fortune to us. We spent $900 on LinkedIn messages. And we just went down who was attending the, the conference. And if we wanted to meet with them, we sent them uh, a tailored email and we got our big break by having a meeting that night at 9 p.m. at the Chandelier Bar at the Aria. And we met with the whole loan traders at Cantor Fitzgerald. We told them our story and they, were, they took us on as clients. And then they brought us hundreds of millions of dollars of institutional investors. I bought out my partner shortly thereafter. And really just, we continued to scale and grow I think Lima One this year, you know, they probably have 250 employees now and about $1.5 to $2 billion in originations just this year. So we had hit a billion dollars when I left prior to selling it. We are now going to take a break and learn more about two of our other sponsors. When we come back, we will speak to John Warren about his new company, Gem Mining. Another great sponsor of this series on entrepreneurs is Endeavor. Endeavor offers workspaces, day passes, meeting rooms, and business team memberships for growth-minded professionals in the heart of downtown Greenville. To set up a tour, visit EndeavorGreenville.com or call 864-720-1800. We also appreciate the support of the Riley Institute at Furman University. The Richard W. Riley Institute advances social and economic progress in South Carolina and beyond by building leadership for a diverse society, hosting expert speakers to broaden perspectives on critical issues, supporting public education, and creating knowledge through community solutions-focused research. 
It is committed to nonpartisanship in all that it does and to a rhetoric-free, facts-based approach to change. Learn more at Furman.edu forward slash Riley. John, talk about the formation of the new company, Gem Mining, and the opportunity you see in cryptocurrency. My wife, my wife still kind of makes fun of me and thinks it's funny that I've gone from a finance company to somehow the Bitcoin technology company. But ultimately, Gem Mining is a Bitcoin mining company that owns mining machines, which are computers, which solve these, this very complex algorithm. And once it solves all of it or, or a portion of it, it gets awarded BTC. And the way I kind of look at it as my last company, my assets were mortgages and those mortgages created interest rates and yields for my investors. And with this company, although it's a totally different industry and it's a totally different currency, those each individual mining machine produces yield. And we take large institutional clients and hundreds of millions of dollars and buy mining machines and own them. And those mining machines produce BTC. And that's ultimately, you know, ultimately I tell people, if you want to own any currency of BTC, any slice of it in your portfolio, the arbitrage that you get in mining versus buying the currency, it's so great on the upside and there's such risk mitigation on the downside. So if, if, if you were to invest a million dollars in BTC, the currency, and BTC dropped to $10,000, you would lose, you know, right now you would lose close to $750,000. But with the mining, you would break even. Mm-hmm. And then if BTC rises or stays stable, you're going to make outsized returns through the mining versus buying the currency. So, you know, five years ago, if you'd asked me about BTC, I might would have said it's a fictitious currency. It holds no intrinsic value. Uh, I don't believe in it long term. But I think with the way the, the Fed and the Treasury keep printing the U.S. dollar, I've kind of shifted my opinions to where, you know, what's the value of the dollar if you continue to print it and there's no, you know, it's unlimited supply, which you can just continue to water down. And you see the result, which is hyperinflation. Yeah. I mean, the inflation is amazing. And the, the thing that surprises me is I think with inflation, everyone should be able to rally around that and say that's bad because nothing is more regressive in form of taxation than inflation. You know, it, it dramatically hurts the, the worst people, the people in the, in the worst situations. You are off to a quick start at Gem Mining. Talk about scaling this new business. So I think ultimately I was just able to replicate our capital structure at Lima One and bring in several of the same institutional investors and convince them of this opportunity. So we've scaled it. You know, I would say we're light years ahead of you know this point at Lima One. So we've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. We've deployed it. We've purchased over 40,000 mining machines. Right now we have 15,000 miners that are active. The remainder are gonna come on uh, over the next several months. But 
even with only 15,000 miners, right now we control over 1.5% of the global hash rate, which is all of the mining power in the world. What does hash rate mean? If you think about all of the computers in the world and they are trying to mine Bitcoin and you add up all of their, you know, if it was a race car, you would say, if you add up all of their horsepower, that's the to total power of all of those cars. Well, with computers, they use what, what's called hash rate. And that's kind of the horsepower for computers. So if you were to add up all of the computers in the world, right now, after 10 months, Jim Mining has the horsepower of 1.5% of all of the, the Bitcoin miners in the world. John, in one word, what is the key to success for an entrepreneur? I would say logic. And the reason I say that is because if you look at, and I think most entrepreneurs do this, certain times the business world gets entrenched in these uh, ideas of this is how you should always do business. This is the way we've always done it. This is the industry standard. And I think entrepreneurs look at things pretty simplistic and they say, well, why do we have to do it that way? And they apply logic and reasoning to say, you know, let's do everything for a reason and let's come up with a better way. Let's come up with a better service. Let's come up with a better product. And I think if you can really think and just look at that problem that you're trying to solve and come up with a better way to do it in a more cost-effective manner, that's the key to being successful in business. What role do you see cryptocurrencies like BTC playing in the future? Yeah, I just think it's the evolution of, you know, our economic system. You know, we've already, I think about all the iterations that we've gone through and, we, you know, I may not have recognized them throughout my life, but, you know, globalization was one and the world just got so much smaller over my lifetime. I'm, I'm 42 now. And then it just seemed like everything went 100% digital with the internet. And I would say, you know, with the cryptocurrencies, how often do people really use a dollar anymore? Like literally the cash, everything is already in the cloud. It's digital ledgers. Uh, you know, when you're moving money around, banks aren't sending cash to other banks if you wire funds. I mean, it's just a ledger that's updated already digitally. So I think we've been moving from, you know, traditional currencies to, to digital ones and cryptocurrencies. And I think this is just kind of the evolution. I look at Bitcoin, not as the dollar. I look at it more as digital gold. I, I kind of look at it as a reserve. I don't know where we're going to end up with BTC but I definitely believe that everyone eventually is going to want to have some of their savings tied to BTC as a reserve. You know, they're not going to want it all in dollars. I think Ethereum has huge potential for everyday payments for a variety of reasons. But I do think the one thing about BTC is it's finite. It is controllable and it's 100% logical and you cannot manipulate it. And I think with irresponsible governments throughout the world, 
you know, just global currencies in general are manipulated, they're diluted. And I think with BTC, it gives people comfort to know, you know, you, there's only 21 million BTC that are ever going to be produced, period. And, you know, it's finite and what's the value of it, the market will determine. Um, so I think it has a world of opportunity. We'll see really how quickly it takes to get there. I definitely think we've passed the stage to where people are questioning whether or not it will continue. It's kind of the, you know, five years ago, I think your question would have been, is this going to be around in five years? And today your question is, well, where does it go from here? And I think that in and of itself is a huge shift. Um, I think people don't understand a lot of crypto, so they try to look at one-off um, one measurements. You know, one of the big things is they say, well, what's the carbon footprint of crypto miners? You know, our, we're 92% we're carbon neutral, <laughs> so that's pretty high. And if you, you know, compare us to a normal bank, I guarantee you most banks don't have a 92% carbon neutral footprint. And, you know, another argument they might use against crypto is they say, well, a, lo a lot of bad guys, a lot of terrorists, a lot of drug dealers, they use BTC. And, you know, unfortunately, that's true, but it's nowhere near as true as, you know, when you compare it to the dollar. <laughs> so we don't get rid of the dollar just because drug, drug dealers use the dollar. So I think as the, as the market matures and people get more familiar with it, people will really start to realize the benefits of it and feel more comfortable using it. And John, maybe to wrap up, tell us a little about you personally. What are a few of your passions outside of work? I'm not sure if I have a balanced life, but uh, I do enjoy my life. So I'm married to an amazing woman, Courtney. We have three awesome kids who are a ton of fun. They're either going to make me stay really young or get me old really quickly. There's uh, almost six, almost four. Those are the two boys. And then I have a daughter who's two and a half. So uh, I love spending time with my family. I love going to the lake. Uh, I love history. I, I love being outdoors, hiking. Um, so I love, you know, I go to downtown Prez Church, I'm involved in several philanthropic uh, ventures. I want to try to give back to the community. Um, I have several passions, veterans organizations, uh, you know, certain uh, other charitable organizations here in Greenville. I love the city of Greenville. I think what the public-private partnerships that have made Greenville so great, uh, I want to continue that. And I think we all have a responsibility to do what all the business leaders had done previously, which is continue to improve Greenville and grow the, the business atmosphere and those are, those are some of my passions. That was our interview with John Warren, the CEO of Gem Mining, a Greenville, South Carolina-based Bitcoin mining company. The Entrepreneur Minute is made possible with the support of First Community Bank, NP Strategy, Nephron Pharmaceuticals, the City of Columbia's Office of Business Opportunities, and the Riley Institute at Furman University.